morning. Welcome to the Lord's house. Will you stand with us? Psalm 34, verses 1 and verse 3 says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise will continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Let's praise him this morning. seated. Man, that's great. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here today. How about you? And welcome, Kavanaugh Church family. It's good to have you here, those watching online. Thank you for tuning in. We almost, almost weren't able to have church today. You believe that? 
On Thursday, they shut our power down, giving us a, a new electric line to the new building and then connecting it to this building. And finally, last night at 10 p.m., the power came back on. I was, I was sweating bullets, man, so fantastic. Harvey Preston came through and their crew, they worked all day long, and uh, so we're able to have church today. Isn't that great? And I'm glad you're here, so welcome to the Lord's house. It is a good day to praise and worship the Lord, amen? So here's what I want you to do. Just stand up and turn around and say hi to about 10 people if you can, and I'm going to ask the Gordons to come up here. Come on up here, Gordon. Uh, the Gordon family is coming up here, and man, I am so thankful for them. Bless you guys. What a great, yeah, what a great family this is. Uh, if you don't know Josh and Katie, you need to get to know Josh and Katie. They are, they are an awesome couple that love the Lord. And let me tell you, these people wrote the book on hard work. They are hardworking folks. Uh, Josh actually put all the metal up in our new building. And you know what? Yeah, give him a big hand for that. His crew did. Uh, structurally, it is sounder than any building in Fort Smith. So the next tornado that comes, I'm going to be in our new building. Because I know it's going to make it because Josh put it up. Uh, Josh, Katie, God, God has blessed you guys so much. Uh, he gave you Cole a few years ago. Here you go, a little. Yeah, Cole is my man. I don't know. I don't think this ever actually developed, and I don't know who came up with it. But before he was born, there was, there was talk that his name was going to be Shovel, and uh, yeah, yeah, Shovel. And uh, I don't know if they call you Shovel now or not, but you know, you are one cool dude, and we're so proud of little Cole. And then a year ago, God blessed you with Delaney K. And isn't she beautiful? Isn't she great? Uh, I, I think the, her birthday's about to come up, isn't it? J yeah, June 22nd, she's going to be one year old. So happy early birthday to you, Delaney. Uh, God, God has uh, given you a wonderful family to be a part of. And so, Josh and Katie, it is remarkable that your family surrounds you, and today you have come to de dedicate this precious little baby girl to the Lord. And that's biblical, church. Uh, Hannah did that for her son Samuel. She dedicated him to God. Mary, the mother of Jesus, dedicated Jesus to the Lord. And so it is with significance that you are dedicating her to the Lord God today. Now, I'm doing a series of sermons over the next few weeks on 10 values that build strong families. And uh, let me tell you, you, that is where you need to take these kids to the Word of God and teach them the values of God. And if you do that, I promise you that God is going to bless Delaney and little Cole, and they're, they're just going to grow up to love the Lord and follow Him and serve Him. Y'all do what the book of Deuteronomy says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Josh and Katie, here's the deal. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, when you weld, and when you dig with a <laughs> shovel, all right? 
And the Bible also says to train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. So Josh and Katie, in presenting Delaney Kay for dedication today, you not only signify your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but your desire that she comes to know Jesus as her Savior and lives her life for God's praise and glory as well. In order for that to happen, your duty as parents is as follows. To teach her the fear of the Lord early. To watch over her education so that she is not led astray. To direct her youthful mind to the Holy Scriptures and her little feet to the Lord's house. To restrain her from all harmful associates and habits and as much as in you lies to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so if you dedicate yourself to do this for Delaney, would you just signify it by saying, we will. Fantastic. And church, I'm going to ask that you come alongside Josh and Katie and do your part in helping train little Delaney to find, follow, and finish God's good, acceptable, and perfect will for her life. And if you accept that, say, we will. We will. Fantastic. I got a few things I want to give you. Josh, first of all, I want to present you uh, with a, a little pink Bible that has uh, Delaney's name on it. And I charge you as her daddy to make sure that she knows the Word of God, all right, and reads it and cherishes it. Uh, Katie, here is a certificate that says what we've done today. And little Delaney, here is a letter that I've written to you, and you can't open this for 17 more years, okay? <laughs> so when you turn 18 years old, I want you to read this letter. It reminds you what we did today and how we dedicated you to the Lord. And if you haven't accepted Jesus, I encourage you to do that in that letter, okay? I, I love the way she's sucking her yeah. fingers right here. It's the University of Texas that she's, <laughs> she's given all of us. Isn't that great? Katie, can I take Delaney in my sure, arms? Sure. I can try. Oh, you are precious, little darling. Oh, my goodness. We're going to stand right here so you can still see Mama. Delaney, it is with great pleasure that I dedicate you to the Lord. May you... Find, follow, and finish God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. You're doing so good. Brother Johnny is going to say a prayer of dedication on you, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this family today, Lord, and we lift up little Delaney. God, we know she's fearfully and wonderfully made from your hands. God, we just pray for her and her life. We pray that you'll use her and guide her. Thank you for this great family she's been born into. We ask you, Lord, to just for, uh, to help them to raise her up in her, uh, the way she needs to go. We thank you for this day. We thank you for them. We ask you just to bless her life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Mm, God amen. bless you. She did great, didn't she? Y'all give her a big hand, this family. Big. Josh and Katie, thank you so much. God bless you. You guys can uh, take off. Appreciate all of y'all. What a wonderful family this is. Give them one more big hand, would you? And I'll tell you what, why don't you stand up and we're going to continue our worship to God together.
most of you are familiar with the phrase, practice makes perfect. Yeah, so you know, practice makes perfect. I mean, it's proven fact that if you want to be good at something, you, it takes practice, right? If you're going to learn how to play like Eric, it's going to take some practice, right? If you're going to be a receiver for a football team, it's going to take some practice. Uh, no matter what you endeavor to do, mechanic or whatever your occupation is or, or whatever your hobbies are, cowboy shooting takes practice over and over. You have no idea how much practice that takes. Anyway, um, you get my point though, right? It takes practice to get good at something. And I don't think that worshiping God is any different. I think it takes practice. I don't think naturally that's really what we gravitate towards. I think just our, our own selfish and sinful nature just makes us too prideful to really humbly submit before the Lord. Um, but we have an opportunity every time we gather together in this place to practice our worship and we're given a glimpse in Revelation chapter 4 of what that looks like and it tells us that there are four beasts that fly around and continually 24-7 they say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come and there is no pause in that it's a constant praise and then we're told that there are 24 elders that bow before the throne and they place their crowns. And they say, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. And so we're given a glimpse of what that's supposed to look like, right? So I just want to encourage you this morning as we head into this last song, it's entitled, what a savior think about who we're worshiping lay it down before him this morning and give him the praise that only he deserves
you are more powerful than any trial or tribulation or obstacle that's in our path today. And I pray, God, that we could, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, that they could call upon you and they could come to know you as their Savior. And they could feel that power and that peace, God. And I just pray that as Brother Will comes up and he brings us the message, that you would open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to see, hear, and feel all that you could offer and all that you bring to the table. And I'm so thankful, God, for Jesus you sent him to die on the cross for my sins and he's my savior and I'm so thankful for that today. I pray your blessings upon those people that are in here this morning God with all the activities that are going on and for those that are listening online or within the sound of my voice I pray God that you would offer, offer them and you would give them a blessing and I love you and I praise you and I thank you for all things and it's in your name Jesus that I pray. Amen. Praise team, a big hand. Appreciate them today. Thank Thanks for leading us in worship. Uh, practice doesn't make perfect, and I guarantee you, I have driven Angie crazy. Click, 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 click. I really, I thought where you were going it was, was here. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. You know what? That, 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 that was Zane's motto. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So you know what? You need to work hard. Work hard in your worship to the Lord. Last week, I started a new series. It's going to last for 10 weeks on the 10 values that build strong families. Why? Because our families are under attack. Uh, I'm telling you that the devil has us in his eyesight, and he's aiming right at our families, trying to destroy your family. So you know what you need to do is go back to the solid values that God said at the very beginning. And they are the Ten Commandments. This week we're coming to commandment number two. I believe that God gave us these commandments in order. So this is the second most important commandment. Are you ready for it? Exodus chapter 20 verses 4 through 6. Commandment number two. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me, and to those who keep my commandments." Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word as I try to speak it on the outside. Would you please speak this truth into our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. A few years ago in the Emmy Awards, a comedian by the name of Kathy Griffin came forward to accept her Emmy Award. And she said something along these lines. She said, a lot of people come up here and they thank Jesus for this award. I want you to know that no one has had less to do with this award than Jesus. He didn't help me one little bit.
too, Jesus. This award is my God. Wow. Now, what she actually said was worse than that. I just gave the edited for church version of what she said. But you know what? I, I find that a very blatant picture of modern idolatry. A celebrity clinging to a statue claiming, this is my God. American Idol. Don't. Angie's saying, don't go there. I'm just saying the phrase, American Idol. Make no mistake about it, in America, we have our idols. God's commandment, number two, can simply be put down into two phrases. Number one, don't idolize anything. And number two, worship God only. That's what commandment number two is all about. Don't idolize anything or anyone and worship God only. So those are our big thoughts this morning. Let's examine both of them. Number one, don't idolize anything. That kind of leads to a question. First question is, what is an idol? Well, an idol is anything that takes the focus off of God and puts it on something else. When anything is first place in my life, whether it's an object or a thing or a person, that thing or that object or that person becomes an idol to me. Number two, what does it mean to idolize? Well, in, in this sense, it means to value something more than I value God. Some people park their idols in their garage. Some people dock their idols at the lake. Some people put their idols in a safe deposit box. And it's interesting, archaeologists tell us that every culture throughout history have had their idols. They've had their little statues, their little gods, and their goddesses. Mankind has this desire for some reason to turn objects or people or things into objects of worship. And God is saying, commandment number two, don't do that. Don't idolize anything. You might be wondering, are there idols mentioned in the Bible? The answer is yes. Uh, my research has discovered at least 35 different false gods or idols mentioned in the Bible. I'm going to name the big three that you're all going to recognize. There was the, the god Baal or the idol Baal who was the god of fertility. We'll just call Baal the sex god, right? In the New Testament, there was a god, god named Mammon. It was the god of, of money, the worship of money. Back in the Old Testament, there was another god, the god Molech, who was virtually the god of violence. It is the god that parents and grandparents sacrificed their children to on false altars. So the god of violence. We don't have those idols today. We, we just go spend billions of dollars every year to watch movies with sex and violence, and money. Oh, boy. Don't tell me you're going there, preacher. Well, I, it kind of takes us there. You know what? In those days, 
Bible days, their idols were made of stone and, and block and rock and clay and wood and metal. Today, we, we don't necessarily have metal images. We have mental images, images of success, images of wealth, images of status, images of sensuality. And let me tell you, it is very hard to raise kids or grandkids in an environment where our society is saying to us, these are the most important things in life. These, these are the things you need to crave after and go after. And you're trying to say, no, there are other values that are more important than these values. And we need to spend our life teaching our kids and grandkids the values that last forever. Not these, not these metal values or these mental values, but God's values. Deuteronomy chapter 4 says it like this. Look at Verses 15 and 16. For your own good, don't sin by making an idol in any form at all. So God is saying, hey, this, this is for your own good. Don't make idols. Well, you know today we wear idols on T-shirts, and people proudly proclaim what they're committed to. God says for your own good, don't idolize anything or anyone. And you might be wondering why. why. Why is God making such a big deal about this? Well, I think I can tell you in, in three different phrases. Idols are bad for you, number one, because idols will always disappoint you. They always promise more than they can deliver. I love what Jeremiah says in chapter 10, verse 14. Those who make idols are disillusioned, because the gods they made are false and they're lifeless. This is kind of a reoccurring theme throughout the biblical text. The Bible tells us, you know what, it, it doesn't make any sense to worship something that you have made with your own hands. In fact, there's a story in the Old Testament about, you know, taking a, a log, a piece of wood, and cutting it up, and you use some of it to heat your house, and some of it to cook your food on, and then the remaining piece of that log, you carve into an image, and you worship that image. That's just absolutely crazy, isn't it? But yet we do the same thing today. We're disillusioned because the gods that we make are false. They're lifeless. They can't deliver what they promise. Preacher, what are you talking about? Well, here's what I hear on TV. Wear our jeans and you'll be popular. Buy our product and you'll be successful. Drink our beer because it doesn't get any better than this. And use our toothpaste and you'll have sex appeal. They always promise more than they can deliver. And when we value things more than we value God, I guarantee you, we will always be let down. How many of you have ever done this? You, you, you find something on, on the internet, maybe, maybe you're, you're going through Facebook or, or Twitter or whatever, and, or Instagram, and, and there's a little ad that pops up that's an interesting little object, and so you click on it, think, what is this thing? And then for the next five days, that's all you see. They're sending you these advertisements for this... It's like, it's like it's spooky, man. They're tracking you. And if you see this thing long enough, you're thinking, that is cool. 
I need one of those. And, and, and that's all you can think about. Are you with me? And so you order it. Even though it's a lot of money, you order it. And you just wait, you track it. Where's it at today? And then when you finally get it in and open the box, you're disappointed. Because it's not exactly like you thought it was going to be. Guys, let me tell you, anytime you put another person or a product in the place of God, anytime you expect anyone to solve all of your problems or anything to guarantee all of your happiness, you're going to be disappointed. Idols will always disappoint you. So God says don't idolize anything. Number two, idols will dominate you. If you don't watch out, they're going to control your life. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. Talking to the church, he says, Before you knew Christ, you were, number one, controlled by dead idols, who, number two, always led you astray. Paul says, think about this. These, these things that you used to worship, they did two things to you. Number one, they controlled you. The thing that you love more than God is always going to control you. You know what we call that, don't you? We've got a word for these kind of idols. Addictions. And you know, but you know this. When we talk about addiction, people think, oh, you're talking about drugs and alcohol. You know what? You can be addicted to a whole lot more than just drugs and alcohol. You can be addicted to work. You can be addicted to sex. You can be addicted to food. Man, there are all kinds of things that you can be addicted to. But eventually, you know what those things are going to do? They are not only going to ruin your life, they are going to run your life. They are going to control you. When you love something more than you love God, it has control over you. I've heard people say to me a hundred thousand times, Oh, preacher, I can give it up anytime I want to. Well, let's just see. Why don't you, why don't you just do that? It will dominate your life and it will distract you. That's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 12, 2. It's going to control you. But not only that, it will lead you astray. That's what he said in that verse. Those false gods led you astray. How many people, by the lure of promotion, were led to neglect their family at a crucial time when their kids needed them the most? Or for the promise of fame, you compromised your integrity? Or for just a little bit more money, you threw your convictions out the door? God says, if you don't watch out, you will be led astray and you will lose your values. It will dominate your life. You may have never realized this, but you know what? You can allow another person to do that too. If you give the control of your life to another person and you live for their approval or their disapproval, that's just not a codependency. That is an idol. And the only way you can break a codependency is to put God first place in your life and to serve only him. Idols will disappoint you. Number two, they will dominate you. And number three, they will deform you. Say, preacher, you're really stretching yourself for another D word, aren't you? 
Well, let me tell you, they will. They will change you. They will change you. They will warp you. And if you follow an idol, it, it will make you lose your uniqueness that God gave you because you are going to become what you value the most. Mark that down. Psalm 115 verse 8 says, Those who make idols become like them, and so will those who trust in them. We shape an idol, and then it ends up shaping us. Somebody say amen, because that's a good one right there. We form them, and then the idol forms us. You will become like whatever is first place in your life. So guys, you better reserve that spot for God and only God, or you're going to get deformed from what God intended you to be in the first place. God has a perfect plan for your life. God has a purpose for you to be here. He has something for you to do. But if he's not first place in your life, something or someone else is, that is going to deform you. And you're never going to live up to your potential. I'm reminded of a story in the New Testament. This rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, well, here's what you need to do. You need to sell everything you have, give the money to the poor, take up your cross and follow me. And it's really interesting, guys. That is the only person that Jesus said that to in the Bible. He didn't say that to anybody else. I find that very unique. And you might say, well, what's unique about that? Well, it's unique because Jesus just cut to the chase. Jesus looked at this young man's heart, and he knew that this young man had a problem with who and what was first place in his life. His idol was his bank account. That's what really mattered to him the most. And so Jesus said, if you really want to follow me, you're going to have to give that idol up. So sell everything you've got, give that money away, and then put me first place in your life. Well, the young man thought about it. He counted the cost, and it wasn't worth it to him. So he walked away, the Bible says, sadly, and did not follow Jesus. That brings me to this really important question I want to ask you. What do you need to give up? What have you allowed to become first place in your life? What is it that you're holding on to that's keeping you from being everything God made you to be? You might say, oh, Brother Will, I, I don't want to let go of this relationship. I know it's not a good relationship for me to be in, but I've invested so much in it, and I don't want to let go of it. Yeah, but that relationship is running your life. You might say, well, preacher, I, I know this career is not right for me. I know it's not what God made me for, but it's given me a lot of money, and, and I'm finding a lot of pleasure in it, and I'm, 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 I'm getting a lot of power from it, so I just want to hold on to it a little longer. Or I know this habit isn't right for me. In fact, it's being rather destructive in my life and my family, but I just, I just can't give it up right now. Or this hobby... You might say, preacher, stop. Enough is enough. <laughs> let me tell you something. If God tells you to give up something and you can't let go of it, you don't own that thing. That thing owns you. Yeah. Right. 
Idols will distract you, dominate you, disappoint you, deform you, and ultimately, they will destroy you if you don't watch out. So God says, for your own good, don't let anything get first place in your life. Don't let anything become first place in your life. Another person, a dream, a job, nothing. Don't worship anything. Now, I don't know, guys, I'm going to get on to you. How many of you have ever said, oh, I worship the ground she walks on? That's, that may be, you know, that may be a good thought. And you might be trying to just rack up some brownie points with her. But you know what? You don't need to be worshiping the ground she walks on. God's got to be first. Or that marriage or that relationship is never going to work. One of the reasons I'm preaching this series is because we, we need these values for our kids. But let me tell you, I see parent after parent worship their kids. They put their kids over their spouse, which is unbiblical in the first place, but they set their kids up on a pedestal and they literally worship their kids. Can I tell you, your kids, and I'm going to step way over here and I'm going to mumble this, your kids ain't going to turn out to be worth anything. If they become your God. Don't idolize anything. Period. And then the second part of this is worship God. Worship God only. Put God first place in your life. I'm going to hurry up here because I got three benefits of worshiping God only. Will you listen to these three? I think they're pretty good. Number one, if you worship God only, it will delight you. That is, it will bring fulfillment into your life. When you put God first in your life and you love him first, God says you will experience all the fulfillment in life that you've been looking for in other places. Psalm 37.4 talks about this. Seek your happiness in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. I memorized that in the old version, delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. What a great promise from God. He says that if I seek my happiness in the Lord, not in other things or in other people, but in the Lord, he will give me my heart's desire. That's a guarantee. He says, try it. Put me first. Love me first. Worship me first. And watch if I don't bring fulfillment that you've always wanted in life. I, I can't tell you the hundreds of people that have said something like this to me before. They've said, you know what, preacher, my only regret is that I, I didn't accept Jesus earlier in life. And, and, and it kind of goes along with that old song. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Really? Life is not going to work unless Jesus is first. Your life is not going to make sense until Jesus is on the throne of your heart. Your family is not going to reach its potential until Jesus is the Lord of your family. Look what Romans chapter 10 verse 11 says. Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. You'll never be disappointed with Jesus. He will bring fulfillment to your life. So accept no substitute. Don't settle for an image of God when you can have the real thing. It will delight you. 
when you worship God only. Number two, it will deliver you. When you put Jesus on the throne of your heart, you will have freedom like you've never had it before. The Bible says you will experience freedom like you've never felt freedom before when God is first place in your life. Incredible freedom. Jesus talked about this in John chapter 8 and a couple of different verses. In verse 31, he says, If you obey my teaching, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then he said this just a few verses later in 36. If the Son sets you free, you will be really free. Why is it that when I put God first place in my life and he becomes first in my family, that all of a sudden we're set free? Well, I, I think there's a, there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, when God is first place in my life, I don't have to worry about the approval of other people. Because I'm only focusing on pleasing God. That's hard for us. Because I know most of us have this just innate desire. We want to we make people happy. We want to please people. And I've got 35 people over here that I need to make happy. Or in, in my case, I've got over 1,000 people that I want to make happy. And, and here's what I've figured out in 38 years of pastoring that when I make one group happy, there's going to be another group that they ain't happy. And if I make one person smile over here, there's going to be half a dozen that are frowning over here. Listen to me. You can't make everybody happy. It doesn't work that way. But when you decide, okay, I'm not going to live for the approval or disapproval of people I am going to live for the approval of an audience of one. I am going to live for the approval of God. I'm going to live to make God happy. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about me. I just want to make God. When you do that, do what, it sets you free, man. Literally, it sets you free. Now, it's not like you don't give a care for anybody else. You still love them and care for them, but you're not living for their approval. Wow. It sets you free. You know what? I'm going to say the second thing like this. It just sets you free, man. When Jesus is first place in your life, it sets you free. You're set free from your past because Jesus completely forgives you when you come to him in repentance and you say to him, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. He does it. He takes it all away. I told the first service, that it's like that old Etch-A-Sketch that we used to play with in the car on long trips. You know an Etch-a-Sketch? The red thing? How many do know Etch-a-Sketches? Okay, well, more than I thought. You, you, you doodle around and you play and you don't like it and you take it and shake it or your sister's worked on a piece of art for like three hours in the car and you sneak over there and grab it and turn it over and shake it and World War III breaks out in the car. And what does Dad do? He's driving, he just turns around and starts slapping kids. I didn't do anything. It doesn't matter. You need it anyway. <laughs> that ever happened in your... I forgot where I was now in my sermon because I got... I guess Jesus forgives you of your sins. You're set free from your past. You know what? It can't haunt you any longer. You've been set free. Not only does he set you free from your past, he sets you free in your present. 
You're no longer held in bondage by the things that you've been dealing with. Why? Because when you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, the power of God now resides in you. How much power is that? It's the power of the resurrection of Jesus. So nothing can hold you in bondage any longer. God sets you free from your past, your present, and your future. You know what? I, I really, I'm, I don't necessarily want to die right now. But I'm not afraid to die. Jesus has set me free from the fear of the future because I know where I'm going. Dude, let me tell you, this is great news. This is real freedom. Only Jesus can set you free. So when you put God first place in your life, it will delight you. It will deliver you. And then number three, it will develop you into your full potential. When I put God first place in my life, it helps develop me into the person that God intended me to be, the unique person God wanted me to be in the very first place. Why? Because you become what you love. You become what you love. Listen to 2 Corinthians 3.18. As the Spirit of the Lord works with us, we become more and more like him. So whatever you love, you're going to become like. Whatever you worship, you're going to become like. If you love money, you're going to become materialistic. If you love yourself, you're going to become very selfish. But if you worship Jesus and if you love Jesus more than anything else, you're going to become just like Jesus. And that's what God's desire is for you. God wants you to become just like Jesus. It develops you into your full potential. You can't become all God wants you to be, and your family can't be the family that God wants it to be without putting God first place in your life. And when you do that, when God becomes first, he develops you into the person that he made you to be. And when that happens, bang, the light comes on. You realize you're here for a purpose. There's a reason for your existence. It's just not to consume space and air and devour things. It is to live for God. And your life becomes a fulfillment. So in building a strong family that's going to last, building a strong personal life, you've got to settle these two issues in your life. Number one, put God first in every area of your life and don't idolize anything. And number two, you worship God only. You know how you do that? You accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You put Jesus on the throne of your heart. And you live for his praise, his honor, and his glory. Angie and I have been working on this theory for the last month or so. I don't know. It just keeps coming up. We'll just be driving down the road or out to eat or sitting at home. And, and something sparks this conversation. And, and, and we just start talking about it. And I, I don't know... I don't know what it is, but I mean, I'm just, it's really one of the reasons I'm preaching this series on the Ten Commandments. And it's this premise that parents, whatever you value, whatever is most important to you, that is what your kids are going to value. It's a pretty simple premise, but, but I see it all the time. 
I see it in the lives of kids because they're like little sponges. And whatever you value, they're going to value. Whatever you put first place, they're going to put first place. So guys, let me tell you, it's imperative that as parents and grandparents, we value what God values. I tried to say this first service, and I I don't think I really said it well. Afterwards, Angie kind of counseled with me and kind of gave me some insight here on, because I really don't want you to take this wrong, and I really don't. But I've had it happen. I've had a lot of parents come to me and say, I just can't, I just can't figure out what's happened to my kids. I mean, they're, they've, they've, they've gone off the deep end. They're, they're, they're not living like we taught them to live. And, and here's, here's what Angie corrected me on and what I want, I want to make perfectly clear. You know what? Your kids were given their own free will by God. And you can do everything that is right, and they still make wrong decisions. Okay? And that's not on you. That's on them. But guys, let me tell you, it comes down to a point where, you know what? You do have an influence on them. And so don't, don't come to me one day and say, oh, I don't, know why my, I don't know why my kids aren't faithful to the Lord and come into the Lord's house. And have me say back to you, well, let me just, did you teach him that? I mean, was coming to church really that important to you? Because let me tell you, if it's not important to you, they're going to pick up on that. They're going to follow your example. They're going to value what you value. So guys, right now, no matter, no matter how old your kids or your grandkids are, you need to be pumping into them every day God's values. You need to be laser-focused on feeding them God's Word because I guarantee you the devil's feeding them something right now. Our world is feeding them a whole lot of garbage right now. And if you just leave it up to this church to teach your kids the values they need to have, you're going to be gravely disappointed because we only get them a couple of times a week. You've got them every day. So pour into their lives God's values. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us do that right now. There's somebody in this room that needs to receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior this very morning. And so I pray, dear Lord, that they would come and and receive the gift of salvation. I pray, dear Lord, that uh, others would come and, and pray and ask you to help take the idols that are in their heart right now off the throne of their life and put you on the throne of their heart. Lord, I think it'd be a good time for mamas and daddies to to bring their kids to the altar and for grandparents to come around and for family units to be praying at the altar today for one another and for their homes. So, dear Lord, please, as the Spirit leads, I pray that we would respond. May those who need your help come today and ask you for it. And we'll praise you for this in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Praise team's going to sing. If God has spoken to your heart and you'd like to come and pray, come right now. Just step out. Come as a family. Come to Jesus. He's waiting for you. Would you come to him?
just to minister your grace in our lives. Help us, dear Lord, to accept no substitute. Help us to trust you and love you and put you first place in our life and in our families. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for praying today. Amen. God's good. Amen. Amen. Bless his holy and precious name. I'm going to ask that you pray with me one more time uh, for Peggy Hall's family. Uh, Miss Peggy's been a longtime member of Kavanaugh Church. Uh, last week she was in ICU. Uh, they put her in a private room this week. And then uh, yesterday about noon, she went on to be with the Lord in heaven. Uh, Peggy's been struggling recently with health issues. And uh, she told me on Wednesday, she said, Brother Well, I'm just ready to go to heaven. And so she did. And even though that's sad for us, uh, I rejoice for Peggy. Uh, she's with the Lord and her family in heaven. So pray with me right now for that family. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be with the family of Peggy Hall. Please, dear Lord, bless Don and Betty and Abby and their entire family. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when you leave in just a moment, drop your offering in the black box. Tune in tonight at 6.30 on Facebook Live, and you can hear Brother Nathan give us a Bible lesson. 7 o'clock Wednesday, we're going to be back uh, in full force, uh, things and activities for all age groups, so please be here for that. You ready for a baptism? Man, I've been looking forward to this all week long. Let's raise that screen and rejoice in the Lord. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay, good. There you go. All right. Hey, it's so good to see you guys. With me today, I got Tara Walker and Luke Brewer, and I love these guys. These are a couple of my teenagers, uh, a couple of Greenwood Bulldogs, right? And uh, they're, they're just great kids. I love these guys. Um, we had them over to the house a couple of weeks ago because they got to see the uh, baby Elias and everything, and then it was dropped that they were really interested in getting baptized. So I was like, all right, let's do this. So we'll get you baptized here at the church. And so they have been so faithful to our student ministry and been absolutely crucial and, and becoming leaders. And I'm so proud of them. They're making this as a, a personal commitments for both of them. They both have, lo they both love Jesus. They both have accepted him as their, as his, as their Lord and Savior um, and, and want to follow him with their life. But uh, not only are they getting baptized today as individuals, but they're like, hey, let's do this as boyfriend, girlfriend too. So, all right, cool. <laughs> uh, so, but we love them. It's awesome. And, but tell me, what kind of couples do that? You know, what kind of teenagers step up and make this type of commitment in this day and age? And it's really already hard to do. Um, but we really are so proud of them. So, just briefly, uh, Tara, Luke, this, what we're, is happening here today, again, is baptism. It's, a, it's an outward expression for what's already happened on the inside. In your heart, you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And today, publicly, in front of our church, uh, what you're saying is that you are identifying with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. And that's what this whole baptism thing is. You, we dunk you. We'll bring you back up. But we dunk you, right? <laughs> and that's identifying with Jesus in his death. And then you're raised to life, like, just like he did with the grave. So 
in your commitment today before our church, that's exactly what we're doing. You're making commitment saying that I am identifying with the Lord and Savior as my, uh, as my Lord and Savior, uh, with Jesus. And, um, and then you're going to continue to live your life um, as a Christian and set the standard and be a leader. So I'm proud of you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. So, Terry, you're first, all right? In humble obedience under our Lord and Savior, I baptize you, Tara, as, uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. Good. Good. Luke. In humble obedience, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. It's good. It's good. All right. Hey, uh, Brother Brent, will you pray for Luke and Tara today? Amen. Let's hear it for Tara and Luke. Man, I'm proud of them. Fantastic. Wow. Wow. Oh, Luke, he's continuing the tradition of, of a receiver at Greenwood, and I love to watch that kid catch balls and make touchdowns for the Bulldogs. So, hey, I want you to know that I love you so much, but my love for you pales in comparison to how much God loves you. So don't idolize anything. Worship God only and you're going to have a great life. God bless you. You're dismissed.